Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio presents... Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. It is Thursday night. It is 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, and I am here again. I am your host, Robots, with my co-host, Lotus of Doom. How's it Hello, going, Lotus? Welcome. Things are well. Good, good. Welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Um, it is... It is the creepy month of October. The weather's getting cooler. The nights are getting longer. The Halloween decorations are coming out. I've been watching yeah. a bunch of people bake Halloween things on TV shows for contests and things. I don't know about you, but that's a thing that my wife and I watch. Um, <laughs> it is the season of the creepy. And last year during this time, I did things like vampires and werewolves, and I got into all that stuff. And this time, Lotus and I were talking, and I, I, I want to paint a picture, Lotus. I want to paint a picture for you and our listeners at the very beginning of this episode. To, And this is something I've done for a long time with this show and some of the other shows that I do. I want to put you in the place of the people in the situation here before I get into any more details. So I want you to imagine that you are in a an early culture, kind of a an old mannish culture, not very technologically advanced. You've just left the frosted north, the very cold, dangerous homeland you came from of Admora. And you've settled on the shores of a new continent. Then this new continent has new creatures on it, beast races, elven races, other creatures, things that you have never experienced before. But with you comes your culture, your worship of ancestors, your worship of creatures and beasts, and especially dragons. And the dragons have come over with you as well. Now, I want you to imagine being in this culture where... Dragons are real, and this isn't something we have to worry about in the real world at all. The closest thing that we can actually relate this to in actual human terms is, say, you know, when people were hunting woolly mammoths or uh, the first time they were out on a boat fishing and they saw a great blue whale or something like that, right? That's about the closest we can get to coming across something like a dragon in real life. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe giant crocodiles in the I was Nile. about to say, or a crocodile right. or something like that. Something like that. That's a down in the bayou. Giant snakes in the Amazon. That's about as we as close as we get to dragons. But dragons in the Elder Scrolls are intelligent, they're dangerous, and they are for the majority of them are actually fairly evil. <laughs> they are malicious. Now imagine that you're part of a of a culture of people who are moving to this new land. You're looking for safety. And dragons are a very real danger. And there is somebody in your tribe who is a priest who has said, listen, I have studied the magics. I've studied the language of the dragons. I can help us to make peace with them. If if you follow my instructions. Would you even have the choice not to go along with that? What do you think? I mean... 
it's one of those <laughs> faux choices for lack of a better way of putting it where it's like okay you have the choice to follow us and you know go along with this imposing threat or or menacing presence which is which is great for your safety if you're on that side mm -hmm. but on the flip side if you were to not go along with this in this choice quote unquote they would then become your adversary which is i mean insurmountable example you're a settler. Yeah. yeah if you're a settler or someone new to the land I, I mean what are you going to do against a dragon possibly already with followers who have pledged allegiance to said dragon or right. said cult with dragon it's it's the choice isn't really there so much as it's just giving you the option to go along right it's almost like um like the mafia offering you protection right yeah like you can't really say no because if you say no they will destroy you so you say yes and you try to get along as best you can and give them the money that they ask for and hope that they don't keep raising the price on you right it's kind of one of those things where you just kind of have to do it in order to survive so yeah. this is the situation that we are in in the the merithic era the early first uh, first era with uh, the Nedic cultures that eventually became the Nords and settled into in the Skyrim area. And uh, that's where we're at at the beginning of um, this story. So that's kind of the mindset I want to put you in. Uh, it's very easy to look back on this perspective from, for, for example, like the dragon cult and the dragon priests are a big part of Skyrim. They're a big part of Elder Scrolls. Uh, that specific Elder Scrolls game. And it's very easy to look at that and go, okay, these these are bad guys, or these these Draugr are dangerous, or whatever is associated with this. The dragon masks, the dragon, you know, the dragons themselves. This is all bad. I'm the Dovahkin. I'm going to kill them all. You know, it's very easy to separate yourself from that. But when you actually consider that this was part of the culture, and these are just people who, have, who were just trying to survive and do what they needed to do, it, it really sets it in a different kind of a different term so that's where yeah. i want to start with us and then um i want you to to think about that as we move as we move into the first section of our lore this is where you get off come with me so, Lotus, what is your recollection from your experience of Skyrim and Elder Scrolls Online of dragon priests? What is your what is your experience? Like, what is your relationship to these things? I love the design of the dragon priest mass. I remember um, when you first encounter the dragon priests and they bust out of their coffin, so to speak, and just... I forget which one it was that you first meet in front of the uh, word wall and mm -hmm. it just bursts through and he's kind of just hovering and it, it's such a cool enemy and it's like the leader of this this drugger crypt and they seemed really menacing and then after you defeat your first one you get to actually take the mask and you notice that it's named individually yeah, after which, the priests themselves, yeah. Yes, which that was the first thing I remember was such a cool concept. I was like, oh man, I wonder how many of these there really are. And then 
there's the lengthy situation of trying to collect all of the dragon priest mats and then place them on the wall in labyrinthian which is in and of itself not a quest that many can complete because it is very elaborate but um it has a pretty decent payout as well and i just i'm a big fan of at least the concept of them even though Mm -hmm. for being dragon priests and largely revered they're their whole existence is basically just one of previous almost like fake power that ended up just becoming permanent indentured servitude <laughs> right yeah yeah it's <laughs> yeah it's another one of those uh really unfortunate situations that we find in the elder scrolls games where it people yeah. are just like taken advantage of and terrible things happen to them and then they and, and even in undeath they are still paying for the things that they couldn't have helped anyway um, right and <laughs> i mean they're the highest of the low tier in that situation where the draugr are cleaning their crypt and maintaining the dragon priest. So right. there's people even lower on the totem than, than they are. Yeah, very, very true. So let's dig into the dragon priests. Um, I've pulled up some of the um, some of the background and some of the information, uh, mostly using the US, UESP and then referencing some of the sources throughout there and then some of the original sources. Um, So dragon priests were originally members of the dragon cult. This is a a cult that came over from Atmora with the early needs um, and have retained much of their power through the eternal worship of their Draugr servants. They ruled over countless armies of men in their gods names. They are now found residing in coffins throughout areas of prominent dragon worship. If their sleep is disturbed, the dragon priest will burst out of his coffin, like you described, with considerable force and prepare to destroy whomsoever intruded. I love the use of whomsoever. Perfect. (laughs) Upon their resting place. The highest ranking priests of the dragon cult were granted magical masks that defy the laws of time and possess powerful enchantments. The individual masks are made of varying animals and each bears the same name as the priest that possessed it. Now, In order to really understand who these dragon priests are, we have to understand what the cult is. A dragon priest is simply the head, the the leader of a group of uh, worshippers, a a designated region of people who are part of the dragon cult. And they're kind of the most important person who is uh, also the most powerful individual among this cult, but also kind of the one who is the person who stands between the humans or the men and the mannish people and the dragons the one who can communicate and negotiate on their behalf and also then communicates back to the tribe or whoever is is part of that cult what the dragons actually want them to do if mm-hmm. they're rallying armies and those kinds of things so the dragon cult began as a sect within the traditions of animal worship brought by Admorans to Tamriel certain scholars believe there were totem animals for the modern divines in which case, worship of the dragon corresponded to the worship of Akatosh. And I find this interesting because we, we find this in some of the other cultures that there's this very early awareness among the needs of these divines and how who we would call the eight were active in the world. But their worship of the divines came through in the, the use of uh, totem animals that represented those divines. Mm-hmm. And one one such of them would have been dragons for Akatosh, which makes sense. Um, 
Uh, it goes on and says, dragons were revered more than any other, and they were comfortable in assuring positions as god kings over men. Their servants, the dragon priests, kept the peace between the dragons and men, and their power was so great that uttering any word for dragon was forbidden to all mankind except them. It's kind of like the holy word. It can only be spoken by the priests. Yeah. This it's, is... it's. It's almost a very similar hierarchy to some of that that you see in the Dark Brotherhood as well with the speaker, the listener. And then you've got, you know, the. it's just it's interesting that there's always that one dividing factor from this divine entity to the, I don't know, the plebs or the peons at that right. point in the in the ranks, which gives you so much stuff potential for corruption when you have that like no no don't worry i'll tell you what they said i'll and i'm the one who can read the special tome i'm the one who can speak to the important guy you have to go through me yeah yes but, exactly and in the real world that has been a problem throughout many different religious groups over many different periods of time that this the consolidation of power through this like funnel through like one mm -hmm. person or the leader of a group um this is also very similar, this idea that uh, the dragon priests can only speak the word dragon is very similar to, say, uh, like during biblical times, the um, the Hebrews during biblical times, uh, the name of God wouldn't be spoken. And it was only the priest of the temple who could actually speak to God and go into the Holy of Holies on one day throughout the year in order to commune directly with with Yahweh. Um you know, the name of God. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it actually has some connections to real world religions as well. For sure. Um, so it goes on and says, um, uh, they made laws for the society of men and were on par with Kings. Grand temples were built to honor the dragons and appease them in life and death. Many of which survive as Draugr infested ruins today. Sometime during or soon after the migrations to Tamriel, the dragon cult began to assert more influence and became much more malevolent from their capital Bremjunar in modern day Hjalmarch. They ruled Skyrim with an iron fist, effectively enslaving the populace. So, this became more and more powerful until eventually the, dra the dragons lorded over everybody. Right. While that led to the change that was, uh, well, sorry, while what led to this change was lost to historians, it was likely caused by, caused by Alduin, the firstborn of Akatosh and leader of the dragons, who had chosen to forsake his role as world eater in favor of conquering Mundus for himself. Now we're getting into some of the storyline of the dragons showing back up in Skyrim and why Alduin is such a danger and all that. Men eventually yep. rebelled in the late Merithic era, leading to the ancient Dragon War. Now, the Dragon War, if you've played Skyrim, you have some understanding of what's going on with the Dragon War. Um, it, uh, I'll just kind of summarize it real quick. The, the dragon priest in Tamriel became more tyrannical and the populace eventually rebelled sometime in the Merithic era, leading to the legendary dragon war. Some dragons turned against their own kind and taught the Nords powerful magic like Parthenax that allowed yeah. them to turn the tide of the war in their favor. We talked about Parth Parthenax in the last episode and why, yes, we did. why he's such a cool character. Weird. Right. Right. So, Strange how this all ties together. It all ties together. Yeah. After a long and bloody campaign, the rule of the dragons was ended and the remaining worms, meaning dragons, fled to remote areas. The dragon cult survived for a time, but was marginalized and eventually died out. The last dragon cult stronghold was found and besieged in the first era 140. Now, 
this date is interesting because it is very close to the t- same time that the Alessian Rebellion happens in Cyrodiil. Right. This is very close. So we have kind of the ending of the the powerful uh, dragon focused Nordic forces and the the finishing of the dragon cult and kind of the rebuilding. And, and uh, for the first time, the Nordic culture could flourish without the dragons being lording over them. At the same time, we have mannish races in Cyrodiil rebelling against the aliens and yes. creating the first empire. So the time of great t- turmoil as everybody's overthrowing their overlords. <laughs> yeah, pretty much this. It's really kind of interesting how that happens right at kind of the early parts of the first era. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, because it is the first era, it's one of those time periods where we actually have recorded history as opposed to the Marithic area where everything's just kind of like uh, well maybe Vague. sometime in the late Marithic era who knows when that was it could right. be hundreds or thousands of years different from another time early or late yeah, in the Marithic sure. era. who knows yeah so not long after worship of animal gods was replaced by the then eight divines in mainstream Nord culture which makes sense because of the influence of the Alessian Empire and the things that were going on with that so um, thoughts on any of this? Like, it, it seems like they lorded over the Nords for, or at least the Nedic people who became the Nords for a very long right. period of time. Yeah, it it, it definitely um, their reign of power seemed pretty brutal, and like all of these, I guess you'd almost call them dictatorships to it to a degree. Yeah, where it's yeah. just there's this one race that just rules over the others with this just brutal, brutal, just savage. Yeah. Yeah. Iron fist. And in both these cases, it was just so extreme. And it just got to the point where with a little bit of divine intervention, boop. Okay. Well, that's enough. And even though they have such incredible power, they're toppled by those that they've been just, teeing off on for however many years very similar in the situation uh going you know much more forward in time with the dwemer and the falmer that turned into a war and you know not going down that rabbit hole or anything like that but like it seems like a civilization can only be (laughs) thrown into the mud and kicked repeatedly so many times before eventually it's just like no this has to stop and because this world and, and and this whole ip in general has literal gods and stuff like that it gets to the point where they can kind of intervene when things are so out of control that it's like okay maybe we're going to give you a little nudge of help here and uh, it'll it'll help you topple your horrific overlords right right i've always found it interesting that although akatosh is seen as a good deity the dragons which are associated with him were malevolent yeah well i i i don't know where i first heard it uh so this is not me being creative if you find this to be creative um <laughs> but but it, it was referred to once it might have been on the forum or forums or something that i i saw it but um it it was hard for or it was posed as the question of it was hard for dragons to probably even acknowledge mortals like the needs and stuff like that as Mm -hmm. mattering because to them it's almost a dragon to a uh you know a person in tamriel a need or whatever is like a just a slightly smaller equivalent to like 
if you were to go outside and there were a bunch of ants, right? Well, right. You're not going to try to, you're going to get the ants to do what you want, or you're just going to squish them if they're getting in your house. Right. You may, you might even just ignore them. Yeah. You like, yeah, or eh. just don't even acknowledge right. that they exist. Right. Exactly. Right. You're not going to so, think twice about squishing them because, because, and the, the analogy works right uh, on a very right. similar way. A dragon could exist indefinitely. And the the and in fact, it's an even bigger distance between dragons and mortals than it is humans and ants. Like, yeah, like we can live, you know, if you live a really healthy life and you have good genetics over 100 years and ants lives for a extremely small, small fraction of that amount of time and has a very small fraction of the amount of, uh, you know, in intellect and understanding and no self-awareness seems like a little biological robot you know like what's the what's the use of that the distance between yeah. us and dragons is even greater than that so it would make yeah, sense it, that they would just right. be like well and do you, why do you even matter it, that's that's exactly it it's like they don't really seem to view mortals as anything that's even really like they they're so above what they would consider mortals is like, well, this isn't comparative at all. So it's irrelevant what we do to you. So if you're, you know, you can perform a purpose and help us in certain ways, but if you're not useful, it's not even like a second thought to just brush them aside. And it's like, okay, you know, it wasn't the same as the aliens where they seem to get pleasure out of torturing them. They more seem just brutally mm -hmm. efficient. It's like, all right, we're done with you squish dead. Right. Right. Yeah. The aliens were, were still, you know, elves. They were still mortals. They, they, right. They right. were on the same plane, but they see they they seemed like they uh, in many cases with the gut gardens and all that weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. They, they were seemed to get more of a sadistic pleasure out of it where it seemed almost like dragons cared so little. It was irrelevant what mm -hmm. was happening. So it's like, well, if this if we can't get any use out of this, just smash, squish, whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, th there's also uh, references to the Daedric princes who sometimes act that way towards mortals. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times, oh, very much so. a lot of times they, you know, oh, I can use you or, oh, I want to, uh, you know, uh, harvest your souls or whatever. But, right. but oftentimes, you know, even, you know, the, some of the dialogue from like Molek Ball, well, while he drops the anchors and things talks about how, like, yep. you know, you guys are puny and insignificant. You just don't realize it yet. You know, that kind of that kind of language. Um so, yeah, there's there's that levels of power. What's so interesting about these stories, though, is that uh, especially something like the Dragonborn, this idea that like imagine a ant who becomes so empowered <laughs> and heroic that it can like oust the humans from its yard <laughs> you know yeah think, like, think of the uh, we'll just stick with the ridiculous ant analogy that's going to get weird now but um, imagine that ant learns to pick up a, a you know a, a kitchen knife they get enough ants to coordinate and they pick up a kitchen knife right and they they manage to take you out in your sleep it's like right. the odds of that are so out of the realm of possibility you wouldn't even really think about it yeah. which almost makes me wonder if in the same situation it might have to some degree caught dragons off guard that it's like wait what is happening like how are you fighting back you shouldn't even like matter yeah. at all yeah or or, um, or or i mean think about it from this way from an intellectual standpoint how are you speaking our language <laughs> you know <laughs> right that would like, be a surprise if an ant started talking to you in english or right. whatever language is your primary that'd certainly be 
interesting to say the least like the ant is the ant is talking why is the ant talking like right. what is going on right and with the dragon priests there's some explanation there that you know the dragons have taught them speech and they have they have some dragon speech in order to communicate with the dragons that kind of thing but when it came to say like the dovakin and absorbing dragon souls and becoming more and more powerful and learning all of the dragon language and then uh, and and this is the way that the dragons like for dragons and we can get into this stuff Arimethius talks about this for dragons uh communication was combat it was like right. that was their very nature um so to be able to meet them on that level as a mortal must have been <sighs> extremely confusing at least at first you know like who are you yeah. mortal that you can speak to me in my own language you know like right <laughs> And then more so if they can outshout them in a certain situation right. or whatever, it's it's that's essentially the be all end all for the, you know, that's their debates. Their debates take down mountains when they argue because it's knocking pieces off things. And it's like if they manage to <laughs> then suddenly have mortals shouting at them in the same way that they're used to doing their that's going to be very jarring to see. Yeah, yeah, it's um yeah, just living through that kind of situation must have been amazing. It, it, like, this isn't just, and, and this is the thing that I want people to understand when they when they play through this again, or they look at dragons in these games. It's not just, you know, the medieval equivalent of, like, knights on the castle wall, and the dragon flies by and burns fire, and so they shoot ballistas at it. You know, like, that kind of thing. Like, this is a level well above that. This is... This is way bigger than just the big scaly monster wants to destroy the castle, you know? Yeah. Like, it is significantly more than that. Now, let's talk about how the Draugr fit in, because I, I want to kind of finish this whole understanding of how the mortals make sense and why the Draugr are a piece of the puzzle, especially with the priests. Um, it says here, in life, many were followers of the dragon priest, though others can be found guarding nobility and treasures. When the priest died, his followers, which became the Draugr, were made undead and buried with him. And this is this also has connections to the real world. Things like the tombs you would find in Egypt or other locations through um, through the, the Middle East, like this idea of burying your followers with you or your items or your your pets or your family, you know, those kinds of things. The followers would rise from their resting places in shifts to worship at the sarcophagus of the priest, transferring their life force to him and to, to defend their barrow against unwanted intruders. This has another connection to real real world stuff. Oftentimes in, say, ancient Egypt, a pharaoh was often buried with things to sustain the pharaoh in the afterlife, food, their favorite objects. Because it was thought that those things would go with the Pharaoh into the afterlife. This is kind of a an even bigger version of that where the followers themselves are and it says here they return to their graves and regenerate their life force while sleeping. So in sleep, they regenerate their life force and then they deliver it back to the priest to continue feeding power to the priest like batteries. <laughs> so the, the, the very reason that they're even in these tombs is to continue transferring their own life energy into the priest. Um, it finishes up and says, uh, it's speculated that these undead followers would have been indistinguishable from the living when the barrows were new. So they would have even un in undeath looked like 
living people going about their daily routines in the barrow. Over time, the followers' bodies withered despite the ancient Nordic embalming techniques, and they became the modern Draugr of Skyrim. This is why they looked more like zombies. The, mm-hmm. lo- the local Nords mistakenly believed that the Draugr were cursed with undeath for serving the dragons, but they weren't. And this this shows a disconnect between the stories over time changing and the way that the more recent Nordic cultures view the old cultures. It wasn't that they were killed and cursed with undeath. This was right. actually something they signed up for as for being followers. This is they probably knew that this would be their eternity and it was probably spoken of beautifully like you will have yeah, a home it, here with your dragon priest lord and be serving him to all through all the eternity right it, it's definitely i assume spun in a way that made it sound glamorous and not just your undead janitors and right you know you need to moisten his sarcophagus so that he doesn't dry <laughs> oh out God. like that's not really a moisten selling his, point oh <laughs> like um <laughs> and then, excuse me can i get someone uh, my my coffin's a little bit dry <laughs> reggie yeah, and vanessa and, you know Moisten my <laughs> coffin. Play through any of these games. To be fair, they're very bad housekeepers as well. Because <laughs> I mean, there's broken pots everywhere. There's spider webs all over the place. It's like, oh yeah, they they just shamble about and just you know do the bare minimum. Light torches because how else would all these Draugr crypts be so well lit? You know uh, what would be really awesome is if one of just one of the dragon priests was like really nitpicky about like things being in the right place and cleaned and you went into that tomb and everything was like shiny and still new and polished and and no cobwebs everything's all shiny yeah, everything's beautiful right and you come in and the dragger don't even pay attention to you because they're so focused on keeping things clean that they don't remember to guard the crypt and so they're like they're like cleaning the walls and like you know sweeping the floor that would be awesome Yep, there's just the one tomb that's very, very, very meticulous, and all the rest are a dumpster. <laughs> right, they're just shiny, like bright yep. torches, like, uh, yeah, everything, all the gold, all the copper, all the metals are all shiny and new looking. Yep, yeah. neatly stacked and not neatly just stacked. broken vases everywhere. Yeah, books on shelves, you know, yep. like actual, Organized. you know, like maybe old looking furniture, but still like in good repair. You know, yep. just like freshly painted, freshly <laughs> painted. Yeah, that would be amazing. They, <laughs> just the one dragon priest was just like a stickler. He was just like, no, yep. <laughs> you'll keep my tomb perfectly spotlessly clean. Yes. Yep. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to get to in the second half of the episode, the history of Zahn the Scale Caller, which actually comes from um, ESO. It's a biography that shows up in the books in ESO. And I wanted to read through this because it's kind of interesting. It's kind of an interesting perspective on uh, a dragon priest specifically. But before we do that, let's transition to the middle of the show. The skies are marked with numberless sparks each a fire, and every one a sign. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. Promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, 
there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. All right, we're in the middle of the show. It smells very middly in here. And this week, I have to thank our patrons, our new patrons who signed up in September. So thank you to Ali W. Kung Fu Kangaroo, who's in chat with us live right now. I, I saw your name pop up earlier. We might still be here. And Herbert S., thank you for signing up on Patreon to support the show. We really appreciate your support. And if you are interested in helping to support the show to get ad free episodes, episodes early, a day early and a whole bunch of other things, including even our tier four patrons who get to join us at the end of every month to talk about all sorts of fun stuff, then check out patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast for that. Also, this week, I have to read out some of the new reviews we got over the last month. And I'm going to try and get through this quick, but you guys are full. You're very verbose. There are lots of words here. So I'm going to do my best to just knock this out as fast as I can. Uh, Rugoth Shugoth from the United States said, uh, great lore fix five stars. This podcast quenches my thirst for the web of lore that is TES. Tom does a great job of breaking it down into bite-sized and easy to understand meaty mouthfuls. Hmm. Been playing since Oblivion, and I st uh, and I still am learning new things each episode. Keep up the good work, Tom. Well, thank you, Rugoth Shugoth. We also have Droses from the United States who writes, The perfect intro to the Elder Scrolls universe. Five stars. I've been a longtime fan of Elder Scrolls, but never got all too deep into the lore before now. The Elder Scrolls, Scrolls lore cast is a phenomenal gateway into the rich world of skooma. I mean, lore. <laughs> yes, that's it. Good old Redwater. Lore. Tom is a fantastic host who makes a dense, conflict-ridden, dragon-breaking timeline S question mark easy, easily accessible and enjoyable. I've been playing both Oblivion and Skyrim alongside listening to this podcast, and it has been a glorious experience. That's awesome. I love when people listen to podcasts and play games at the same time. Uh, now motivated to read the books, I am able to read deeper thanks to Tom's insights that go beyond the writing. I blew through everything in a week and a half. Holy crap. There's a but we're almost Lotus. We are almost 100 episodes into the show. We are yikes. Three episodes say, away. This is episode. Oh, wait, this is episode 98, I believe. So yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, that's a lot of content to blow through. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts. But, <laughs> whew, I, wow, that is that is a lot. That's amazing. Um, so in a week and a half, and we'll continue to go back through older episodes for refreshers, a must listen if you are an Elder Scrolls fan. Well, thank you, Droses. Uh, I really appreciate that. I hope you uh, join us here live sometime for our, our new episodes so you can hang out with us and, and chat and send us funny messages and whatever in, in chat while we're doing this. Uh, and then we have one more from uh, Grand His Gonads. Gandhi's Gonads? I think this is Gandhi's Gonads. It looks like, yes, Gandhi's Gonads. Very, very nice name. Uh, who is it. also Beelzebub, who is also in chat, who writes, Professor Robot's tutelage. Under the tutelage of Professor Robot's, I like that, we love for the, um, my love for the Elder Scrolls lore and games has flourished into something greater than ever I could have dreamed. Thank you so much for adding color to the gray maybe. Ah, that's a good one. For helping in steeping up my role playing, I deliver pizzas and you have been like a teacher and a guide through Tamriel. I have earned my introductory degree. When I finish this podcast on I felt as the outro music played that I was walking the stage of knowledge now I wait for my next installment I will continue my apprenticeship soon with you amazing content great attention to detail and laid out in a clear concise easy to understand way thank you for all you do Beelzebub 88 well thank you Beelzebub 
I appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, so if you are interested in helping support the show, leaving a rating or review on whatever podcatcher would be amazing. It helps a ton. It lets people know that we are still actively creating episodes and what to expect. And it, it really, really does help. Next to that, recommending to a friend is probably the absolute best thing you could possibly do. Um, but if you do leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, or at least a review with words, and it's five stars. I will be reading it out on a future episode at the end of our middle of next month. And so that's a wonderful thing you can do. Also, if you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can do it by, you know, buying things from our sponsors on the Robots Radio Network. In fact, audiobooks.com has a deal where you don't have to buy anything and you get three books for free, which is amazing. And Lotus and I talked about this on a previous episode. You can get the Elder Scrolls books. On audiobooks.com and listen to them, and they're great. Yep. They're really, really Strongly good. Strongly recommend them, they're, especially if you're already a fan of the series. They're great supplementary um, material to go along with it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good story that ties into more than you would expect. It delves very deeply into events during a specific uh, time period in the history and uh, some of the characters that you wouldn't have expected to get a more nuanced understanding of, including the um, uh, the uh, Daedric, uh, what are they, the uh, Dromera. So very interesting perspective on that stuff. Um, also, some really cool characters in it, by the way. Uh, yeah. you, you come to yeah, really, beyond, really like it, them. It, it actually not humanizes the Dramora, but like you get to see a side of them that's rather peculiar and you would not usually because the games kind of have them just as your adversaries most of the time with occasional helping. This actually gives you um, or in both of the books gives you a decent uh, look at their society, which is kind of strange. I wasn't expecting that, that they actually had such a fleshed out. I mean, it's certainly not normal, but it's 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 strange to say the least to see how they go about their daily life as opposed to just like enemy goes here and waits for you to come and kill them or right. they kill you. Yeah, there's they, they flesh them out so that they feel like they're an actual living like set of creatures in the world along with us. Yeah. And then dealing with uh, their own perspective on life and death because they resurrect and there's a whole process for that, mm-hmm. which is really interestingly explained. Um, so go look up uh, the Infernal City if you're interested in that. It's a it's a quick it's a quick read, especially when you're listening yeah, to not, it. It's not, not that bad. long, but it's it's really good. And then there's a second book if you want to get the the one after that. Um, yep. But start there with Lord the Infernal of City. Lord of Lord of Souls. Lo- yeah. The, the Infernal <laughs> City. These are I such good names. The, a little <laughs> a little uh, extreme a, a little back to the days of arena as opposed to yeah you know some of the more uh well oblivion that sounds pretty intense yeah, I, I, yeah skyrim right, is guess, like skyrim <laughs> skyrim morrowind yeah I, yeah I like when they're named after areas although daggerfall in and of itself you know whatever we don't need to get into uh yeah. naming lore <laughs> <laughs> all right well check it out that, that's in the show notes you, all you have to do is click the link and just sign up you'll get three free books two vip books and it helps support the show um plus there's some others there's some other deals look through the different stuff in the show notes there might be some other stuff you're interested in all right let's move on to the second half of the show yes yes you're entirely brilliant conquering madness and all that blah 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 so um lotus when we were talking through this a little bit before the show you mentioned that you wanted to to talk about zon zon the caller Um, so this is definitely something i felt was kind of interesting because 
it's one of the few uh, dragon priests that you deal with pretty extensively on her story, which is also unique as in Skyrim, all the dragon priests are male um, and Zahn proves that that is not like a requirement or anything necessarily intentional as she um, is is not male so that you can have dragon priests of either sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a book from Elder Scrolls Online called The History of Zahn the Scalecaller by Jorvold Davax, Dragon Priest Historian. I'm sure yes. Jorvold is a Nord. That sounds like a Nord name, right? Indeed. It's um, if you actually want to find this book in game, um, right at the start of entering the dungeon scale caller peak that came with the dragon bones DLC and um, Elder Scrolls online, it should be on like a, it, it's really like when you enter the dungeon, it's, it's in front of you. You can grab it and it's, either in your eidetic memory or you can just read it right on the spot yeah yeah and it's not very long i wanted to to read through it on this episode because it's it's interesting it gives us a um i I, this is one of the reasons i really like elder scrolls online is because there's a lot of opportunity for the lore writers to dig a little bit deeper into some of the different topics from across Mm -hmm. the entire series as we visit places like scale collar peak and places like that right so here, we'll just dig into it. Zahn the Scalecaller was a dragon priest of short life and little renown. She commanded no great battles, conquered no powerful armies. At just a glance, one would think her unremarkable, unworthy of further inspection. Certainly, that has been the viewpoint of historians up to this point, given the lack of academia written on her. However... The fact that Zahn's story has been so ignored is exactly what makes her such a fascinating subject. Zahn was uncommonly young when chosen by her dragon lord, the mighty Dova Thervokun. Thervokun. Thervokun, yeah. This yeah, is, I, this it, is they a dragon. They a lot in game, but I mean, the names are... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is said that her connection to Thervokun was particularly strong, As we know, there is much speculation on the connection between a dragon and their chosen priest, whether it be spiritual, magical, or perhaps merely political. Whatever the case, Zahn grew a rapid and robust attachment, which her followers took as a sign of great fortune for a decade or so. All was well. Now, let's pause here. This is let's go back to our analogy about like men and (laughs) and ants. This is like (laughs) the human walking it like up to the the ants nest and surveying all of the ants and going you you will be my chosen one <laughs> you are the best ant you are the I best ant <laughs> for whatever reason right uh, so this this dova this dragon picks out yep. zon from the group and says you young lady you are my chosen one <laughs> you're like okay all right yep. that's good 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 enough <laughs> yes yes sir um it goes on and says, the turmoil began when Thervican left his temple for reasons unknown to all but perhaps Zahn herself. By all accounts, it was this departure that led to the dragon priest's steady decline into a depressive state. That it is un- uh, though, sorry, though it is uncertain whether this was magically or psychologically induced, this depression brought about frequent seclusion, growing into a steady isolation. Her followers slowly grew discontent, and as time went by, many became mistrustful. They believed that Thervican had abandoned them, 
and saw this with despair that they that we today would call the loss of the divines. So, so like losing the, your connection to your faith, basically. They began to accuse Scalecaller of driving him away with her weakness. When confronted with these accusations, it is said that Scalecaller made no protest. Her followers took this as admittance and killed her in their anger. This leads us to Zahn's greatest mystery. When accused by her followers, why did she not defend herself? My theory, though mostly speculative, is that the dragon priest simply was not able. The loss of her dragon lord had brought upon such misery that she had lost her will and perhaps even her ability to speak. Again, whether this was brought upon by magical means or mere psychological trauma, I am still unaware. I believe through studying this historical occurrence, we may gain further insight into the link between dragon priests and their dragon lords. We must look past the rudimentary political aspects of such a relationship to see what lies beyond. What precisely was the spiritual connection so highly revered? With Scalecaller's help, we can begin to answer that question. So there's more going on here than just like I'm you're my chosen one you're going to do my thing there's there is a very personal connection between these dragon priests and their dragons yes and um in in the story because uh the reference i made to it being part of the dragon bones there is another dungeon called fang lair in which the dragon uh Thervacoon is actually <laughs> actually resurrected by a necromancer um he he would be the end boss well not in his full form in a bone form he's just a bone dragon he's a bone dragon um he's resurrected uh there so there's they were they were brought they were both brought as two different dungeons to kind of fully tell their parts of the story uh there's questions and speculation if you look up on actually uh throw where he went and why but um the the interesting thing is that when she was slain she was then resurrected later on um and (laughs) her connection to the dragon isn't still there when you actually do the dungeon as she has now devoted her life to periite to get revenge on (laughs) And, which is always a good choice. Always a good uh, choice. He's, he's the best of the Daedra. <laughs> great, great dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she looks to Periate for guidance. And um, when, when you fight her, she actually has the shield spellbreaker and holds that Daedric artifact until you forcibly take it away from her. Um because spoiler alert, she doesn't do very well the second time around either. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting just the strong tie that she specifically, and I assume all of them had to their dragon where they made reference to, was it magical or were they just like super dependent on them? Which I guess if you're given that much power, regardless of what it is or have that much favor and then to have it basically just abruptly yanked away in this situation when uh Thervican just kind of pieces out it just to go do it just, yeah yeah it's See just you guys. like <laughs> wait what did i do wrong like things go from great to tragic <laughs> take, very quickly take me with you nope, yeah i'm heading out <laughs> so 
that's just it. It's it's an interesting dynamic they have with each other that in this situation seems very sad if you actually look at it, because when you fight her, a lot of it is. It sounds like she's in mourning when you're when she has her call outs in the fight mm-hmm. she's angry at the same time. But a lot of it is it. She actually sounds depressed, um, yeah. which she might have gone to Perriite for something. But it's like. You're just looking for something new to latch on to, possibly, as opposed to actually believing in this other thing because you're essentially scorned. So, right, right. Yeah. It, 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 and the thing here is that it could be either psychological, like you're saying, some powerful entity, a, a god to you, basically, comes and says, You are my chosen one. Here is a bunch of power. Lord over these people for me. Yeah. And you're like, Okay, great. And then they leave and you go, Oh, God. Okay, what do I do now? Now what do I do? You can feel your power diminish because they've removed themselves or whatever. And so that would cause psychological depression. Or you could see it from a, a magical standpoint of this magical godlike being uses some sort of enchantment on you in order to make you do its bidding. And then when it leaves, that enchantment breaks. And now you feel lost because it's like a piece of you is gone. Um it could be maybe it's a combination of both, you know, but it's it's interesting because these dragons tied themselves to these people in a very fundamental way that changed the course of history. They didn't just keep going about their way and stepping on them or ignoring them. They really did tie themselves to the people. Um, yeah. So and um, it, to kind of actually go along with that, I, I reopened up uh, the direct reference I had from another time when I was researching this earlier. Um, there, the, just to give a couple direct things as opposed to have it be, you know, kind of our interpretations of it mm-hmm. uh, to reinforce the kind of like tragic end. I have some of her dialogue bits that she shouts throughout the fight, which kind of reinforce i guess would be what we're saying uh when you mm-hmm. enter enter into the fight uh did thervakan send you to usurp me to take this temple back no matter this mountaintop shall be your grave just as it was mine so she still remembers what happened prior to her death or whatever but when you when you start it's really awkward because uh one of her quotes is he left me he abandoned me but now i serve another once i was worshipped now i shall be feared i rule over this mountain and you shall feel my wrath my lord demands an offering and your corpses shall do nicely so (laughs) she's shifting between being like depressed and really angry about it all at the same time it's almost like a (laughs) like a she's upset that that power was taken from her yeah, and it, she's she, she's going, well, I will find any means possible to gain power back. So I have I mean, the series gets dark in certain ways, but her dialogue to me <laughs> sounds almost like she's like a scorned lover of again, whether or not that's like actually the case. Yeah, it's like she just seems heartbroken and bitter all at the same time which is just like it is it's kind of like a tragic tale which i guess kind of goes along with the fact that it's like man she did not do well throughout her existence and even her 
I don't know, her rebirth, so to speak, it still continued to be tragic no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we actually just got a uh, a new patron who who subbed during the live oh. stream. Devin, thank you for for becoming a patron of the show. I don't know if you're watching currently or if this is just a coincidence, uh, <laughs> but welcome to the Patreon. I hope you enjoy the ad free experience. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Uh, so let's let's uh, I want to go to some of the questions, some of the notes in here. Uh, I think Crystal uh <laughs> points out something interesting what's the point of being a lich if you're buried in a tomb <laughs> like yeah seriously <laughs> you're gonna enjoy you're mortal, eternal life better to do stuff in, in <laughs> a container that's roughly the size of your body yeah yeah i i she strikes me as the type who would probably sit alone on her mountaintop writing poetry in the snow though with her mm-hmm. uh situation at hand just being kind of emo and crying with you know periite floating around being gross, being giving, her gross. Head, giving her head colds while she's up there <laughs> she's sniffling both because she's crying and has a head cold at the same time yeah while she so. while her tears like like stream down the paper that she's writing on and blur yeah, the exactly. ink yeah yep. yeah like edgar Allan poe says <laughs> nekamata <laughs> oh man that's funny stuff all right well <laughs> i think that pretty much covers it i i hope you guys yeah. um I, th- I hope this brings a little bit more color and flavor to your understanding of what's going on with these with the dragons and their relationship to people. Um, obviously, most of our listeners have played Skyrim. So if you dive back into Skyrim, maybe this will give you a little bit more perspective on some of the interactions you have in that game. But also, like to- Lotus has gone on, uh, Elder Scrolls Online has a lot of this content as well. There mm-hmm. are there are I mean, heck, even going through some of the, the places in the different Skyrim zones, you come across Draugr and tombs yep. uh, from an era to well, two eras earlier than uh, the things that happen in Skyrim, which is kind of interesting. And the layouts for the tombs are actually very, very similar to the ones in Skyrim. Um, so there's a lot of cool stuff in there. I hope you guys dig into that stuff and, uh, you know, reach out to us. Let us know on either the Twitter account, Elder Scrolls Lorecast, you know, at Elder Scrolls Lorecast or on the Discord. If you guys want to talk about this stuff, we would love to hear your thoughts on these things and your own perspectives yeah, sure. on this. Um, and maybe there's a piece of this that we didn't cover that would be really cool to cover that you have some insight on. We'd love to hear that yeah. as well. Given a choice, I was going to say, like, would you take this type of power for the potential of also having these huge drawbacks come, you know, later on down the line? It seemed like while they were in charge, they had things going pretty well for them. But it's like, yeah, what once that power left, it was like, oof, that is that is a rough life to live. Well, rough afterlife to live without that type of power. Yeah, it seems like pretty much every bad path leads you to some sort of bad afterlife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you worship the wrong Daedric Prince or dragon or whatever, and you end up just kind of dooming yourself to something. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. But yet we all still love this world and we want to live there. <laughs> and yet it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. And we probably yeah, would have been one of the nameless masses who had some terrible thing happen to us. Yeah. Most of us would have been taken out by the Nahatan flu anyways. So, That's I true. mean. That's true. Yeah. yeah I, I, as much as I love this world, I'm very glad this is not a world I live in because uh, yeah. there's uh, kind of two two ends to stories in the elder scrolls there's the sad endings and the endings that look happy until they become sad and that's really all you get <laughs> right right maybe that's why i like like the elder scrolls so much is there's just like there's something there's something beautiful about sadness 
it's, yeah. it's almost a Tolkien-esque kind of thing. Yep. This idea it's, of like beauty and sadness or uh, still still moving forward even in, in the face of hopeless odds, you know, that kind of thing. Something very yep. poetic or, I don't know, pretty beautiful. No, I, for sure. I don't know. I don't know. I can't find a good way to explain it, but there's something appealing about that even in its terribleness. So, all right. Well, let's wrap this up. Lotus, you have anything cool going on that you want to talk about? I know you've got uh, some um, fun stuff coming up. We got fun yeah, weekend. next weekend, um, starting uh, October sixteenth at six p.m. Uh, Hyper Pixie is kicking off our Tales of Tamriel forty-eight uh, hour charity marathon for Extra Life. So, um, that starts October sixteenth at six p.m. Like I said, and it goes until October eighteenth, uh, which is that Sunday at six p.m. We will be shifting amongst the host and just keeping it keeping the marathon running one way or another on one of our channels, um, and it'll be hosted. So if you go to my channel over at uh, Lotus of Doom uh, on Twitch, uh, it is it'll it'll I'll be hosting who ever is live even if it is not me and uh we have lots of stuff even if you can't donate financially just uh helping out by spreading the word much like tom had mentioned with the show sometimes you just you know letting other people know opens more doors than you would expect um so oh, yeah. it is absolutely you, the best thing you could do yeah, for any content creator <laughs> any content creator like we could spend thousands of dollars on advertising this show on like social media and get like 10 or 20 new listeners like but yeah. if every single one of you just went to one friend who you know in, enjoys these games and just says hey i've really been enjoying this podcast or hey i've really been enjoying you know lotus's streams or whatever it is we're doing our our listenership would increase by like 30 50 percent like it, mm -hmm. it really is amazing so if if you know anybody just please just you know Leave a leave a kind word with them. Nudge them on the shoulder yeah. and say, "Hey, let me let me show you this podcast." Yeah, you'd be surprised how well, like uh, how much it does. Uh, just to show it to different people. If it's not their thing, that's fine. But it's like yeah. a lot of times people just don't know something's there to check it out. Um, yeah, and. On the uh, other side of things, uh, <laughs> thanks to Gina Bruno, who is the community manager for uh, Zenimax Online Studios, who makes the Elder Scrolls Online. We will be doing a lot of everything will generally be Elder Scrolls based um, for the most part, but a lot of it will also be ESO. We were given uh, codes to give away as promotional stuff for the event to encourage people to swing in. We've got copies of the game itself to give away. We have crown crates to give away. That's awesome. We have torch bugs, those little pets that everybody loves. Everybody loves the tor torch bugs. I know. So glow butts, we have uh, glow codes butts. for those. And then um, the other things that we do have, which I was given in person. Um, and I know you've got a couple of these yourself. Yeah, you sent me They're relatively rare, yeah. but um, we also have for anybody interested and happens to be watching this, um, we have physical versions of the coins from in-game that are proportionate to the zones. Um, we have elsewhere ones and Greymore ones. And you don't I, I don't personally like to strong arm people. You know, life is hard. So 
<laughs> having everything be about money can be tricky, even when it is for charity. I understand. Yeah. So for hanging out with us and making the marathon easier, because it is made easier when we have you to hang out with, um, <laughs> we like to just kind of raffle them away. Keep them awake. <laughs> Keep yeah, helps, help us stay awake is also something very useful. Type something funny um, in chat every five minutes or so. It, it helps yeah, a ton. so when we hit like any type of landmarks or do something super impressive or we're just delirious because we're so tired, uh, I was going to say we have those to give away as well. Um, all of this stuff is just kind of to encourage people to come by hang out and hopefully raise some money for a good cause we're off to a great start for us not actually having started yet we're almost at 400 dollars. plus we donated 200 wow. from my personal channel from earlier in the year uh from my first payout uh 200 went to extra life united which was the event uh extra life official ran earlier in the year so same cause, different hospital, but I figured we could help out the cause there. So that was from my channel. So theoretically, if you wanted to look at it in all encompassing, we've we're over five hundred dollars raised just this year alone, and we haven't even started the marathon yet. So that's awesome. That's yeah. great. Thank you everybody who's already helped. Yeah. Show up this weekend, hang out, watch some elder schools. Yep. Fun stuff. Um yeah, well, awesome. Uh, I've got my stuff going on. You can check out all my shows at robotsradio.net. Also, if you are watching us on the live stream. Everything that I earn from streaming, so whether that's bits or donations or subs or even your Amazon, you know, prime subscriptions or whatever, all of that money until the election is going to a charity. Speaking of charities, represent dot us uh, to fight corruption in the government so that we can make sure that the things that the people actually want get done rather than the things that corrupt people want get done. Let's, you know, wouldn't it be novel like, if, yeah, it's, if, it's weird. We need a charity to make our democracy be democratic. Right, right. Yeah, it has been shown that it doesn't matter how much support the public has for or against anything that the politicians are going to do what they want in regardless. And that is absolutely not the way it should work. The people are the ones who should, if the majority of the people want something to happen, then that should be the things that our representatives make sure happens right that's the way a representative government works and that's what we need again and so everything that i have i've been doing this for like the last two months now if you would like to help support that as well then anything you donate to the stream or even your subs uh, will be going to that until the election so thank you for for being here and for subbing and if you missed the live stream and you want to check it out it will be up on the robots radio youtube you can come check that out and i'll be on the on our twitch account playing games and stuff on the regular nights that i do that as well so come by and see us sometime all right lotus i think that's it for the episode seems good uh, i think we're done guys thanks for being here until next time make sure that you uh if you do worship a dragon then i don't know stay on its good side try not to get it from running away from you so that all your power disappears i don't i don't know how keep, that works keep your, yeah keep your dragger on point to keep your tombs clean yes yeah if you yeah if you are managing a dragger tomb then it gives them some brooms and some dustpans and stuff it'll it'll do wonders all right guys we'll talk to you next week see you later bye everybody
Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks or Zenimax Studios, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at Lorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. If you'd like to help support the show, check out the rewards you can get at patreon.com slash Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon. Thanks to our patrons for support, especially our Tier 5 patrons, including Noodle Al Dente. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Are you an avid player of the Elder Scrolls Online and looking to take your game to that next level? Well, the Red Diamond Courier podcast is here to help. I'm... Bob Chichinsky. And I'm Dogbark24. We are two experienced players aiming to help others learn and improve through in-game knowledge and references. From PvE. To PvP. And everything in between. There's sure to be something for you in the Red Diamond Courier. We, we hope, hope you, you check, check us, us out. out. Thanks. Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are Dragon Breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go, and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening, and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel. Hello, gentle listener. Every Friday, be sure to tune in. What the hell are you doing, Ampersand? (laughs) Hi, Charlie. I'm sorry I broke in. I thought I was the only one to talk to myself. Well, I'm letting everyone know about the Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit. It's a 5e live play podcast. Join us every week. Where do we find it, yo, crusty coot? Uh, Anywhere you can get all your podcasts. Find it every Friday, you stupid cat!